We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Sabonis down the lane with authority. Oh, Miles Turner bringing that smoke. Lundberg skies high for the jam. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. The Setting the Pace podcast had Kevin Pritchard on. Well, you got to Setting the Pace, and I think that's terrific. 
What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome to an emergency episode of Setting the Pace. You guys know why we're here. Nate Bjorkren has officially been fired by the Indiana Pacers, and they move on from him with one more year remaining on that contract. I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi got ourselves a Woj Bomb today around noon. Oh, yeah. Shadow of the glass, just like you said, an emergency pod is needed. The Nate Bjorkren era is over. Didn't even last a full year, but you know what? It was long enough. <laughs> well, I mean, here's what I'll say. I never want to see a guy get hired to get fired. And it's hard to sit here and process this whole thing because we've been talking about him being fired for, for weeks now since all this reporting came out. It just made too much sense that he would not be retained for another season. But as the days went on after Pritchard's presser at the end of the season, I just kept thinking, man, as this keeps going on, I'm getting a little bit more nervous that this move is not going to be made and we're going to bring him back for one more season, which I would not have been happy with. I'm very happy that they decided just to, as I would say, rip the Band-Aid off and get over it. But I just I just kept getting a little nervous watching and out of nowhere today, 12 o'clock, boom, it's done. So what were your initial thoughts once you saw that report? Oh, I immediately texted you. I said, Bjorkman's out. Like, I was just like, you know, <laughs> we got to change our plans. Got to record, you know, and talk about this. And it just felt like it was it was time. Things move fast in the NBA. I mean, you had been, you know, staking your claim, hey, I want Chauncey Billups for quite some time. And it already felt like an eternity ago that it seemed like Billups was emerging as a prime candidate for the Blazers. So it's just you have to make these decisions quickly. And I felt like the Pacers – you know, they did their due diligence, or so we thought, when they hired Nate, but it also sounds like they did their due diligence when it came to firing Nate of really evaluating the whole situation. And you kind of feel like in order for Pritchard to make this move, he probably had something a little lined up that we'll get into. Um, but I'm excited for some change. I felt like right now the bulk of these – of the core of this team is under contract for the next two years, so – Rebuilding, it didn't really seem like much of an option. Felt like, hey, why not take a run at this and uh, get someone, you know, get someone new in there, a fresh, a fresh mind in there. And uh, I'm excited with that. Uh, we heard a couple candidates, and uh, you know, I, I can't say I hate any of them. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to get into candidates just yet. I, I want to look back at this Woj tweet. Uh, he sent out three of them there within a span of a couple minutes, and he said Bjorken was informed today of the decision to dismiss him. Sources said he met with management on Tuesday. Pacers are expected to pursue a more experienced, established head coach in this process. I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this entire report from Woges of the Pacers are expected to pursue a more experienced, established head coach in this process. It says Bjorken lost locker room and much of organization in his one year as coach. But however, it was interesting here, he said, Pacers have a roster that should be a solid Eastern Conference playoff team with their starting five that haven't played a game together. He then went on to say they couldn't move forward with a young coach who struggled managing locker room and staff. Had Pacers been moving toward a rebuild, maybe Bjorkren stays. So I think right there you're finding something out, and that's a lot about how this organization, pretty much ownership, views this roster to me, it seems like there could have been some conversations about a complete rebuild, which Kevin Pritchard did kind of hint at a couple weeks ago. But at the end of the day, by them firing Bjorkren, that means they want an experienced and established head coach. 
It very much does. It was a very telling tweet. Right then and there, it kind of had you weed out some of the the guys that are, you know, more hotter name assistants without the head coaching experience. I mean, there's guys like, you know, perhaps Chauncey Billups. Or then there's some guys like even Sam Cassell, who's been an assistant for a while. Darvin Ham. Those are some of the hotter name assistant coaches, but they haven't been head coaches. So obviously, you know, after you hear that, you're, when you think of experienced, look, the name Terry Stotts does jump off the page. It's someone that you feel like you can plug in right then and there and feel like he's more than capable. He's coached over a thousand games in the league, but it, it gives you the feeling that the Pacers, A, you know, kind of want to run it back and B, they don't want another, hey, we're going to roll the dice here and, and you know, hope for the best. This is a, hey, we got something here. We don't want to start over. And to tell you the truth, it probably would have been a bit scary if the Pacers did elect to go through a rebuild and keep Bjorken because that would have meant that they have more faith in Bjorken than some of the players. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that you kind of keep Bjorken on because he's a cheap contract. And in the middle of a rebuild, you're not trying to win. So it's not like you're really focusing on him as being the focal point of your team, but he is a good player developer. Look at a guy like O'Shea Brissett. Look at Edmund Sumner, a guy that developed Look at another guy like Gogo Batadze, who I thought took steps this year. So I think that's why they may have leaned keeping Bjorkman and going to a, a rebuild, just because, like Pritchard said, I don't want to be stuck in the mud. I, I think he saw what happened with the Jim O'Brien era and decided that he doesn't want to be that same president of that same team. I want to make a decision. Either we're going to go all in and I'm going to spend money and we're going to make trades and do that kind of thing to make this roster better, or we're going to not blow it up, but make significant changes to kind of retool, rebuild this roster. And I think that that is something that's intriguing, but I'm curious, would you have been more in favor of rebuilding or are you more in favor of running back with these guys and get a more experienced head coach? Which would you have preferred um, on a personal level? There's two terms I I really don't want to hear anymore. That's run it back and being a tough out. I'm so tired of hearing Kevin Pritchard say a tough out. That makes you feel like not even he has the confidence that this team can, you know, really push forward to new heights. (laughs) Maybe Um, he doesn't. I don't think he does. I mean, he said a lot of things like, hey, we're not quite in the top three yet, or we're going to be a tough out. And, you know, he's like danced around the like, you know, basically saying, hey, we're a small market. And, yes, the Pacers are a small market team to others. But, like, you got to have the faith has to come from above. So at least he's not, you know, BSing us, but at the same point, like, stop using that term tough out. But in this situation, I would rather keep pushing forward than to rebuild because there are good players on this team. There are. Yeah. And there's they're signed for for at least two years for both the, the bulk of them. You know, your Turners, your Brogdons, your Karis Leverts, like, you know, it's just you have and then you have Sabonis signed for even longer. So I feel like you have a core group of good players there, but you do need to make some moves. And, and, and I know that even Woj's tweet, it's not like Woj controls all, but he, you know, he did list Turner and Sabonis in there. It would have been more telling if maybe he left out Turner. It would have been like, oh, does he know something? We don't. But I, I think at this point, the Pacers do need to make another move. Uh, but I don't think that you should tear this team down until we've seen more of it. So I, I'm all for you know pushing forward with a new head coach because – Hey, when you lose the locker room, you don't really get it back. And I think at that point, Bjorken was not going to win these players over again. 
Yeah, so I, I thought Kevin Pritchard's press conference today was pretty good. I, I thought that he addressed some of the stuff and made you feel kind of where he is at. And by him kind of saying the whole thing of, well, I think we could be a tough out. You know, I don't think we're at the top three, top four yet. I think he's just trying to be realistic with us. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And I also kind of feel like it's because he's not a huge fan of continuing to go this route because I hope so. Well, I mean, here's the thing he can, but that doesn't matter because I think Herb Simon's the one calling the shots. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Fudge. I don't necessarily think that this is a great and ringing endorsement of, Hey, let's move forward with these guys. Like, like if I'm a player and I hear my president say that I would be a little bit frustrated. I I I would like, you know, not because he said that this was probably the, the most, tough he's been on his players when leaving in their exit interviews and, and, and said that he wanted them he challenged a few players uh, on like the team it. to take on this role as a, an Al Jefferson type of player someone who oh, can be more vocal uh, more vocal leader on this team and I think that we've been talking about that there is absolutely no leader on this team no one at all and no. so that's that's what they need and I, I think with him addressing that there, there's going to have to be some internal growth in uh, not necessarily a talent level, but in terms of being a leader. And that's not always easy to do. Like, I look at Sabonis, and I don't see him as a vocal leader. I, not at all. Not at all. I, I feel the same way about TJ Warren. I mean, it's a lot of really good guys, but nobody to really lead the ship. And unfortunately, when you don't have that leader, it can make things a mess. And that's why they missed a guy like Thad Young. And so maybe they do go out there and address that in the offseason and find themselves a leader. I think a leader can change everything. Look at what Chris Paul did with Phoenix. I know that it's an easy comparison because Chris Paul is a really talented player, but he makes a ton of money. I completely understand everything on that, but he is a leader, and that's what you need in this locker room. We've been talking about it for for months now, going back to last season. And now that Oladipo's gone, I feel like you got yourself a drama-free locker room. Get someone in there that's going to be a leader, and let's try to turn this team back into what it once was, and that's a fun team to root for that can be competitive in the playoffs. Hey, Alex, I wish we could just acquire a leader like that, but they do not just grow on trees. I think guys have maybe tried to be leaders, like like Malcolm Brogdon, but I'm sorry, but the president nickname is nothing more than a nickname because I think Malcolm Brogdon – tried to talk the talk, but I don't think he was able to walk the walk as the leader of this team. I think he is like so well-spoken in interviews and everything like that, but there's not a lot of reports, uh, you know, going around, you know, talking about him holding guys accountable. And I think that the Pacers need someone, someone who's been there, who's won, or it doesn't even have to be that you're, you know, that you have numerous championships, like when you mentioned Chris Paul, but someone that can hold these guys accountable. And for now, I mean, We've talked about it for years. We really have. I mean, Justin Holiday can't be just, hey, that, that's our veteran leader. It's like, eh, look, Justin Holiday is a real good player for what, for what his role is. But sometimes you need a player that's, you know, a bit, a bit better to, to lead by example. Um, and and it's, it's hard to acquire those guys, but it's very important right now. And I like the fact that Pritchard challenged guys because I don't want this to be like a, hey, guys, appreciate everything you did this year. Enjoy your vacation. Can't wait to get back next year. I don't want it to be like that. I want you to be hard on these guys so they have something to work towards this offseason to get, you know, come back, 
be twice as good. I want to hear way more about this team working out together in the offseason. I understand COVID completely eliminated a lot of that, but I want to see some unity in the offseason. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, I felt like this team was pretty unified. I think they just were not unified with their coach. And, you know, I think Jay Michael had a great report talking about how the players revolted basically against Bjorkman because of his special treatment towards Brogdon and Sabonis. And it really wasn't the players being mad at the, at, at the two guys in Brogdon and Sabonis, but more so mad at the coaching staff and Bjorkman specifically for not holding them accountable for them taking off, you know, plays and games defensively, not playing well. And he even reported that Kevin Pritchard had to, confront both Brogdon and Sabonis to get onto them for their lack of play on defense, which Ooh. it's not a good thing to see that no. when your president has to step in and get onto your two quote unquote best players because your head coach is letting them get away with it. So I, I, I think that Bjorkren is a young coach. He's got plenty of time to learn and grow from this. I wish him nothing but the best going forward. I'm glad he's not the Pacers coach. I will admittedly say that. But at the end of the day, I don't wish him any ill will. I, I don't think that we should say, oh, he's a terrible human being for how he treats people. Like, no. look, we don't know what really is going on in there. So don't be making all these bold proclamations. Like, you can be happy that we have a new coach or we're going in a new direction and you didn't want to see any more of this Bjorken era because I'm right there with you. But to sit there and to be negative about him as a human being and talk bad about him, that just it's a little tacky to rejoice so much over over a firing. I mean – you know, I, I just I want them to get the right hire because I think it is in, it is so important that they hit on this next coaching hire and this next and this next draft selection. It really this is a huge hire for the Pacers. I don't want to you know make it bigger than it is and say this could be the biggest hire in Pacers history, but they're in a pivotal spot. If this hire does not work out. I find it hard to believe that the, that the front office can really, you know, all remain in their jobs. I, I really do. Because at this point, you're talking about going through, I mean, you got to hope this next coach lasts more than, you know, one to two years. But that could end up being three coaches in in three, four years. I mean, that that is not stability at all. And uh, from a front office standpoint, you know, typically you might get to pick two coaches. You might. You went with McMillan. Ran its course, good coach. They were looking for something better. Bjorkren, I, I respect swinging for the fences. I do. They really tried to get one of the hot young assistant coaches, and it just didn't work out. And I would still, looking back, I'd still rather take a shot on someone that was a bit unknown, you know, not say unknown, a bit unproven, um, than to just kind of retread. But we tried it, and it didn't work. And we lost a year of basketball for it, and we lost – a prime year of a lot of guys like Sabonis and Brogdon. And fortunately Warren never didn't get to play. And, you know, Miles Turner had had one of his best years, maybe his best year. And in the end, the Pacers, it, it was a struggle to watch this team this year. This was not what we were used to. And, uh, you know, something had to be done about it. And I, I'm sure in the front office stepped in and they made the right move. Yeah, so you talk about retreads, and I think it's funny because that's a word that we've all kind of casually thrown out there, right? I, I want to give Tony East credit because I saw him tweet this today, and I thought, you know, that's a good, that's that's a really good thought process. And what he said is, I'm, I, I don't want to quote it, but basically what he said is, I'm kind of eliminating the word retread from my vocabulary during this coach the coaching search. I just 
if he's a good coach, he's a good coach. And at the end of the day, I agree with that because, look, having that experience, if you've been a coach, Terry Stotts is a guy that you brought up, nine seasons with the Portland Trailblazers, and they made the playoffs eight years out of nine. Look, eight, I get eight it. Straight. Eight straight years. What I'm saying is Terry Stotts is a good coach. He is. Did his team have flaws? Yes. Did his team get eliminated from the first round multiple times? Yes, they did. I'm not making excuses for him whatsoever, but he is still a good coach. People that argue that Dan Tony is an old guy that's not a good coach. He took the Golden State Warriors, who were, which were a dynasty 73-9 and nine team, to seven games with the Houston Rockets. He Chris also, Paul was hurt. Could have beat him. Well, and he took the Phoenix Suns against one of the greatest dynasties, the Tim Duncan era Spurs, to the game seven as well. He has had to match up against some of the toughest teams in NBA history and has gone toe-to-toe with them. It's just his rosters haven't had the better player on it, and sometimes that's just how it goes. So I I think that looking at this and trying to figure out how I want to make my list of candidates, which I have here, Fudge, I just I feel like at the end of the day, going back, oh, he's just a retread coach. Like sometimes it's better to know what you have than not to have that mystery box like you keep talking about. You love a good mystery box. Well, sometimes not anymore. (laughs) <laughs> well, sometimes the mystery box can be a piece of crap. Exactly. And, and uh, <laughs> we live through it. Yeah. So it's like at the end of the day, it is a mystery. But at least you know what you're getting into. I think that there's a lot of good candidates out there. But I'm curious, Fachi, is there a name that you think is the right fit for this job? Oh, man, I-, I put together a list just like you got. It's hard for me to believe that Terry Stotts is not going to be the head coach. I I just feel like (laughs) all signs point to that. Has ties to Indiana. You know, Portland – I mean, you know, Pritchard has a great relationship with the Trailblazers. I'm sure he's had all the intel there. You feel like, Pritchard, this move, this is it for him. I mean, he needs this head coach to hit – See, I don't agree with that. I think so. How many head coaches are you going to get to pick? He's only – this is the second one. How many coaches did Larry Bird pick? I, I mean, that's, that's how many co- how many Larry coaches Bird. did Donnie Walsh pick? Donnie Walsh ha- has history on his side. What being- I am what I am telling you is Herb Simon does not fire presidents. They have all stepped down. He is not going to fire Kevin Pritchard anytime soon, especially if Kevin is doing exactly what he wants him to do. It's just you get we could sit here and say, oh, well, he's going to be on the hot seat. Sure, he he could be on the hot seat, but that's only if Kevin Pritchard wants to leave. I, I just I don't envision Herb Simon at any moment, especially at his age, wanting to let Kevin Pritchard walk and go through the process of trying to find somebody. I just I don't see it. I just don't. Anyway, I'll let you go. Yeah. Anyway, who knows? We'll, we'll determine. Hopefully we're, we don't go down that path where that needs to be a thing. But look, Terry Stotts, a guy that we talked about, over a thousand games coached. Yes, he does not have the, the, the playoff record that you want. It feels like a, a Nate McMillan situation where he is a good coach. Just the Trailblazers hit that point where it felt like they had to move on and look for someone else that could get them to that next level. Well, Alex, we tried the mystery box. It, it, it was horrendous. And now I'm fine with going for a safer bet. In a perfect scenario like we talked about, I would like – Terry Stotts, and Steve Clifford as the assistant coach right over there, the associate head coach. Something like that, a tag team effort, I I think would be great. I feel like in Terry Stotts, that's someone that, hey, 
Portland, when were they ever favorites in the West? They never were. I felt like a lot of times they overperformed. Yes, you need to get out of the first round more. He did go to the Western Conference Finals really only just, uh, it was like two, three seasons ago. Uh, I just felt like that's someone who, you know, he was an assistant coach on the Mavs championship in, team in 2011, been assistant with the Bucks, the Hawks. You know, he's been around. So that's the name that I think probably ends up being the guy. A couple other names that I'm very interested in, but they lack the head coach experience. Sam Cassell, Darvin Ham, those are guys. I've always had a soft spot for Kenny Atkinson, and you know I love me some Dan Craig. Those are guys that would be on my list. Kenny Atkinson coming out of nowhere. All right. He's not going to be the guy, but I think he was. He makes sense in Orlando. Oh, oh, I think that would be a great hire for Orlando. They, They did him wrong in Brooklyn. They did. Mm-hmm. They did. They did. I, I don't think they, th- they thought he was the guy to take them to the next level. But, you know, I, I felt like something happened over there because I remember when he stepped down, it was like, whoa, what? Yeah, like, it was a little bit out of left it, field. It was out of, out there. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, Atkinson's not on my short list. I'm sorry to say it. But looking at it, I mean, we can connect all the dots, and I, I think that I'd be in agreement with you that it does make sense that – Terry Stotts might be the front runner, but I, I really don't think he is number one on my list. If, oh, yeah. if I'm talking about what I think is going to happen, if Milwaukee gets bounced in the in the second round here in a four to five game series, I really think Budenholzer could be fired. I more than likely will be, especially if they just get completely embarrassed in the second round once again. Like after that dominating performance of the Miami Heat, oh my god, to come man. out to come out and get outplayed the way they've been outplayed it's been absolutely atrocious like i know they're going to be playing on thursday so that we'll be able to talk about that maybe later next week but i just i still cannot believe how pitiful they played in both games especially without james harden and i mean i'm not even saying i want Budenholzer. i just think that that's going to be someone that skyrockets up their list however i'm curious to know how much money they're willing to pay these coaches because i looked for Budenholzer's contract i couldn't find a thing on it but what I did find is Terry Stotts back in 1617. I think he signed like a five-year contract that ended this year, and I think it was about five million dollars per year. I would assume Budenholzer makes as much or more than Stotts does, but I'm not 1,000 percent sure. So you're gonna have to pay close to five to six million dollars a year to get these guys here, which kind of seems crazy to think because we've never really seen the Pacers pay that kind of money for a head coach, um, especially someone that you know, could be taking over a roster that just missed the playoffs. You know, you're not talking about a team that's a, you know, playoff championship level team like they were with Frank Vogel. So that's that's where I stand. I think Budenholzer might be the Pacers' number one choice with Terry Stotts being right there second. But I, I still think if everything goes the way I expect it to, and what with the reporting we heard from Woj, I would guess Chauncey Billups is out of the picture here more than likely. So if we're going with experience, I know he's old, and I just gave him a ringing endorsement. I'm still going number one, Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you on that. Uh, one thing I will say is that um, Terry Stott signed a contract extension in 2019, so he okay. is getting guaranteed money that he was owed. So I do think that with the Pacers paying Bjorkman the guaranteed money for next year, knowing that Terry Stotts is getting paid by the Blazers, I do think could have an effect in there because you're getting a guy that – you're probably not going to have to overpay for. I do think if the Bucks get bounced or swept, whatever it is that leads to a Budenholzer fire, I do think just like you, he shoots up to the top of the list. And to tell you the truth, 
he is a good coach. He's made some some flaws, not playing Giannis as much as he should. Some of the starters. He was real good in Atlanta. Yeah, he he was he was he's been really good in Milwaukee. They're just there's there's only a handful of teams that can really win the championship. And the Milwaukee, their expectations has now been to win an NBA Finals or at least go to it. And it's tough. I mean, sure, the Bucks should be responding better because Harden's played one minute in this in two games. They just lost by 39. That's yeah. not acceptable on any level. So if Budenholzer becomes available, uh, I'm not going to lie. I want him. But yeah. uh, I, I do think that right now the Pacers, I, I think the reason for them to to make the, the final decision to fire Bjorkren, I, I feel like they've at least done their homework on if Terry Stotts would join or not. And we've heard that that parent, we've heard it linked I've heard that, you know, Stotts wanted to kind of be let go as soon as possible so he could pursue other options. And, and, and if, if he's from Indiana, it feels like, hey, why wouldn't he be open to coming to Indiana? It's a great job. Or it's a job nonetheless. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I agree with that. There's just something about Bud that I, I'm i just not excited about. I, I don't know what it is. I just – when I see Mike Budenholzer, it does not get me excited. And – if they hired him, I'd be fine with it. I think he's an upgrade over Bjorkren, like I said earlier, with Terry Stotts in the week. But I, I think at this moment, I would rather have Stotts than Bud. That's that's me speaking. That's not any indication really more than I just – when I look at Stotts, I feel like he is a more of a player's coach. He might not be as innovative of, as Bud, but I'm just looking at long term. I just feel like he would mesh better with this organization, with this, with this market, with these players – then Bud, but at the same time, I wonder how good of a relationship Malcolm Brogdon and Mike Budenholzer have, and That's true, and wow. how much that could play a pull in as well. So there's a couple different angles to look at there. I mean, Budenholzer to me, he makes sense. He's had some really good teams, but maybe he would do better thriving with the Pacers because they don't have that superstar pressure to win a championship. That sounds ridiculous to say, but it's part partially true. Look at what he did with the Hawks though when they had. You know, Millsap, Horford, Kyle Korver, Jeff Teague, that group. I think that might be something the Pacers look at and say, we feel like we're more built like that Hawks team was. So maybe we go that route and maybe we can get him to open up this offense a little bit more and kind of still give us some good defensive principles. But at the same time, I mean, what they're doing defensively against Brooklyn does not make me excited. So I just I still think D'Antoni is my number one. I, I I have Stotts too, Bud three, but I'm kind of flip flop there. And then some other names that were mentioned in a, in an article by Jay Michael from the Indy Star. He had Mark Jackson, Dave Yeager. I just I cannot envision Dave Yeager. I would not like that, even though I know he was a, a candidate last season. Mark Jackson is a name that we did not hear at all last year linked to the Pacers, and all of a sudden now he is linked. I think Pacer fans, um, maybe some of the old ones might be excited about that. New ones. Not so much. And then another name that I'd like to throw out, which made sense to me if they were going to let Vogel go a while ago, was, was Brian Shaw. So that's yep. my six on my short list of guys that have had head coaching experience that has been either reported about or makes sense. I did not throw Steve Clifford into the mix, but I would prefer Steve Clifford be more of an assistant head coach than a head coach at this point in his career. Oh, definitely. I think as an assistant, you know, assistant coach, that'd be a great move to add Steve Clifford, but if you're talking about Budenholzer, I mean, this is a guy that took the Hawks and the Bucks to the top seed, and that Hawks team, I honestly felt like they significantly overperformed. I remember mm -hmm. it was stunning when they were the, the one seed. 
Um, and uh, actually, I even remember when the Pacers were a one seed, he almost pulled an upset on the Hawks over the Pacers. That was a that was looking like a very sketchy series. That Pacers team was kind of collapsing. Arrow Antich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God, uh, he was killing us. But even for the Bucks, like you're talking about, they've kind of been a pretty well balanced team. I mean, I know they're not playing well defensively against Brooklyn, but. They were one of the top defensive units last year, and then they're also one of the top offensive units. And yeah, when you have the, the MVP and defensive player of the year, I'm sure you can, you know, be higher up there. But I just feel like Budenholzer has, you know, a good foundation around uh, around his coach's scheme. And for the Blazers, to go back to Terry Stotts, look, the defense, it hasn't been good lately. It hasn't. They've been in the bottom of the league the last few seasons. But offensively, they've been amongst the top in the league for – they finished top three the last three years. So offensive efficiency. So it's like, hey, it's so hard to find a head coach that's perfect on both. But, you know, the league is shifting to an offensive, you know, style. And we need to be better offensively. But defensively, we were just so bad that it's like we got to find someone in between. I mean, it's like you got to add at least an assistant coach that's been known for defense. And for those, you know, I don't really know exactly who's out there you know, outside of, you know, Dan Burke, but I don't think he's going to come back, you know, just to be an assistant coach. But, man, the Pacers have to do something to get better defensively. Yeah, and I I think there's – I think Budenholzer would be able to pull some of his staff that he has assembled with him in Milwaukee. I don't know about Darvin Ham, but if that could happen, oh, my God. I don't think it's going to happen there. I mean, we don't we don't know. I mean, easily Darvin Ham could be promoted. But that's what I was thinking. If, if he could, if, he could. If, if Bud's getting fired, why wouldn't Darvin Ham be heavily looked at for the job? I mean, I'm I'm sure he'd be heavily looked at because Giannis is someone that does not like change. I mean, that's why it took so long for yeah, him to move true. on from Jason Kidd. But what if he went to Jason Kidd he back? He still vouches for Jason Kidd. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So it's like they could go a whole new regime just to try to get out of that Bud scheme. And I'm not saying that Darvin Ham wants to continue to be attached to Budenholzer, but at the same time, like if he brings any of that staff, like I think a guy, which would be hilarious for Terry Stotts, one of his lead assistants is Nate Tibbetts. And it would just be on brand for the Pacers to have another Nate on their staff. Oh man, um, I'm needed out right now. I really am. I got a, yeah, I got a really close assistant. friend. I got a really close friend named Nate and I'm willing to cut him out of my life at this point. <laughs> Well, I heard he's on the short list of coaching candidates. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, just just kidding. But yeah, I, I really don't know which way to go. I mean, if they if they're seriously looking at other candidates, the one that I think would be a wild card to me, and you haven't mentioned him. I don't think you mentioned him yet, but that's Jawan Howard with Michigan. I I don't think he's going to be a he's, Michigan lifer. I think that he is got. I don't know about that. I that's do. his dream job. That's what Michigan, he Michigan. They produced it here. They were the one he he bleeds it. He really does, though. They I were the know, ones but he's an in recruiting. Guy. They're they're killing it, but I don't know, man. There's something about that dream job where he really he really does bleed Michigan. We got the same color scheme. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. He can wear Michigan stuff around here, nobody will even notice. But no, I, I think that that's a name to keep an eye on. I'm, I mean, obviously, I know he's young into his career with Michigan. So I'm not expecting it right now, but I, I do think that's a name to keep an eye on just for any head coaching job. Other than that, I cannot think of anybody else that makes a ton of sense, but that's my short list. Obviously, I wish nothing but the best for Nate Bjorkman and his future, but I, I really just want to see this Pacer team heading in the right direction. I think this is step one of what we would consider a four- to five-step process this offseason. I think step number two is hitting on that draft pick. I think step three is getting more modern with your offense, and steps four and five are – 
either re-signing McConnell and McDermott or, or whatever and, and finding a leader or finding free agents that fit, fit this roster and fit this scheme better because quite frankly, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Sabonis is better under Coach Bud or if Turner does. I think they could fit together and I think that they might like that and run it back with those five again, which doesn't excite me at all. So that's why I think yeah. they have to trade one of the bigs and Based on some of the stuff I heard, I shared a, a little bit of a podcast clip yesterday that basically sounded like Sabonis was almost untouchable, like they're not going that route to trade him, and it feels like Turner is going to be the guy that's traded. I'll, uh, I'll pull that up and share it with you guys at the end of this episode. But, yeah, it was interesting to hear that. So, with me, I'm just – I'm very keen on trying to make this roster more modern, continuing to win and try to get better. But at the end of the day, I don't want to just – overlook our roster flaws with a head coaching hire oh no no doubt about it i just i still just felt like yeah maybe you know it's very easy to say bjorkman probably didn't get a fair shake at it i get it but how how much were they going to really be able to adjust the roster at that point to for him where it just feels like a guy like terry stotts i just feel like he can work with what we have Coach Budenholzer, I think, can work with what we have. And obviously, some things need to be adjusted. And for that, I look forward to making some changes because I don't think anybody thinks, no, this is it. This is the roster right here. You know, other than I I hope even the front office doesn't fully believe what they're saying. But, you know, changes do need to be made. And for that, I'm excited for them to come. Yeah. Can I throw out another name out there that we haven't brought up in a couple weeks? What do you got? Jacques Vaughn with Brooklyn. I like Jock Vaughn, but I don't know. Just as the head coach of the Pacers, I'm not. I'm not thrilled about it. Well, I, I think I thought he did a pretty good job once he took over last year for Brooklyn, and they let Atkinson go. He did, and, do, he did do a good job. And Karis Levert could arguably be our best player or our face of our franchise moving forward. And he seemed to really play well under him. So there's that. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just throwing darts at a at a dartboard right now trying to see if I can hit the bullseye because I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think that we should mention as many coaches as possible. I think a lot of people are going to ask about Becky Hammond. I do not see it. And from what I heard last time during the coaching search, her agent does a great job of putting her name out there, but it never really seems to be under serious consideration for a lot of these teams. So I don't know why that is, but from what I was told, that's a meme makes the most sense. Yeah. I mean, she definitely deserves to, you know, I, I believe the Pacers, did they interview her last year? I want to say she was one of the 15, but I don't think she had a second <laughs> round. I don't think she had a second round. One of the 45 coaches. I mean, literally, her. yeah, yeah. It, nothing stands out about a second round interview. I definitely remember her name out there. But to, to be honest, it didn't really sound like she had many serious interviews. And I, I still feel like when Coach Pop is going to retire, I feel like he's just going to turn it over to her. And I feel like, She's already got a great relationship with the players there that that pairing makes sense um, for Jock Vaughn. I, I felt like he did do a good job with the Nets, but, you know, obviously they brought in Dan Tony and Steve Nash and, you know, that for them w- was good. And, you know, Jock Vaughn, unfortunately has already coached the Orlando magic. So uh, I don't think that's going to happen again, but uh, crazier things have happened. But at the end of the day, you know, Hey, if we can get a, a, a Stotts, Steve Clifford pairing, I'm not going to be mad at it. If it's just Terry Stotts, sure, it's not as sexy, but if we can get the two of them, I really like what the Pacers have there. Yeah, so there's a, there's a name that's uh, on the Bucks staff that was a former Pacers uh, a guy, and that's Chad Forcier. 
I don't remember if you uh, remember him or not, but he was with the Pacers for a while. Uh, I actually, I don't even know how many years he was with them, but I know he was with them for a while. Ben Baker is on his coaching staff right now. Uh, Charles Lee, which is a name that I believe I've heard his name in um, rumors to be a candidate. I think last year he was looked at maybe by the by the New Orleans Pelicans. So that's another name. And, of course, Darvin Ham. So I, I, I do think that there's quite a bit there to, to look at with Budenholzer's assistant staff. But anyway, we've got plenty of time to dissect this as we continue to cover this crazy offseason for the Pacers. Once again, another busy season, offseason for the Pacers. Flachi, I'm about out of things to say for this episode, but I'm sure I'll have more things to say as we continue to find out more about this coaching search. Oh, yeah. The next few days are going to be very exciting. I very much look forward to these interviews, learning a bit more off the bat. Obviously, all signs. The quick thing was, hey, it's got to be Terry Stotts, but hey, we'll learn a lot more in the coming days. Yeah, I think Terry Stotts seems like the front runner right now, but who knows at the end of the day what will happen. So, Fachi, where can the people find all of our work on social media? So you could find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. You could find me on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. And you could find us on Instagram at Pacers talk. And at the end of the day, if you're a Pacer fan, say these three words, let's go Pacers. <laughs>